Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I want to talk today about animal communicating, communicating with your cat in particular. You've probably sat and looked at your cat at one time or another and wondered, what is he thinking? Why is he doing that? Today we have with us Joan Rankett. She's an accomplished animal communicator for over 30 years. She's an author. She's a TEDx speaker and an educator. She lives in sunny Southern California with three horses, three dogs, and four cats. She donates a lot of her time to animal rescue, sanctuaries, and therapeutic writing centers. So we're going to talk to her today about communicating with animals and specifically with cats. Welcome, Joan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so I'm honored to be with you because I love what you do. I think we need more people talking about cats. Absolutely. And then they're mysterious little, little creatures, you know, they are when it comes yeah. to, especially when it comes to trying to figure out what on earth are they thinking? <laughs> That's, uh, so, I mean, I, I think what everybody wants to know is, you know, from you is how do you hear what animals have to say? What, how does that, how does that happen? What does that look like for you? So animal communication, when I'm doing it with, say, if you said, you know, I need you to help me with my cat, I would do what is called telepathic communication. And that is the transference of pictures, words, and feelings. And it's something that we're all doing all the time. And uh, people just don't realize they're doing it. And as much as we look at the cat and have like, oh, my God, what are they thinking? It's because we're kind of second guessing ourselves. We're actually probably operating in with an understanding of exactly how they're feeling and thinking. And, and it's, you know, it, it becomes mysterious, more mysterious when, um, you know, they're doing behaviors that we don't love. But the thing with telepathic communication is that it's not, it's kind of in a flow, if you will. So it's, it's always going on. We're always picking up on pictures. We're always picking up on little words or concepts. And we're always picking up on, um, you know, feelings. Certainly the first way that people know that they're communicating with an animal is to, you know, if you, I mean, I think every person alive has walked into a room and felt that an animal was sad, right? Or felt, had that feeling. So it, what I'm doing is just a very developed version of that. And so I get quiet. That's one of the steps is getting very quiet and then really, you know, focusing on the animal and allowing the pictures, words, and feelings to come to me. You know, I had someone tell me an animal communicator many, many, many years ago, and we were talking in context of, of training animals in this case, you know, a, a dog in particular, housebreaking a, a dog. And she said, animals read 
our mind pictures. Of course, they don't know our language. I mean, they learn a little bit of language about about like a two-year-old, but they don't know a lot of language. So they're they're watching the slideshow that goes on in our mind, which in a lot of cases is driven by fear. And so if you are in a fear place and thinking, I'm afraid this dog's going to pee on the floor, you're actually visualizing the dog peeing on the floor and the dog goes, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do and goes and pees on the floor. (laughs) And so when when we're training, I always tell people, you know, you have to hold a positive mind picture of this working, that that's, yeah. that's as important as all the other environmental changes you're going to make to fix the behavior of the cat. You you have to believe that this is going to work and you have to see it. And is that is that kind of what you're referring Absolutely. to? Absolutely. 150%. Yeah. And I would add that because especially dogs, not cats as much, are, are pleasers, although uh, certainly cats are too. When they see that picture and they feel that fear, they're not putting it together. So it becomes even more important to pee on that spot where they're not supposed to because they're trying to alleviate out like, uh-oh, they're afraid. And they keep showing me pictures of peeing here. So I just better pee on the floor. Right, right. Which is so, so counterintuitive to exactly. what's going on in our little human brains. <laughs> and so I always tell people to really focus on picturing the outcome uh, because sometimes it's hard to believe when we've had evidence of another thing. So you just almost have to go into another like zone and continue to picture that outcome so that you're not, um, yeah, so that you're not adding to the database for them of like, yeah, when they're stressed, I'll pee on the floor. Yeah, that's it's so 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 important. And yeah. and how did you learn how to do this? I mean, I know everybody does it. We all have, you know, we sometimes we call it intuition, sometimes we, you know, yeah. there's lots of different labels for what it is, but how did you I mean, did you go to school and 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 I learn? Did. Well, I mean, I always say that if this had been in the college curriculum, when I was going to school, which was 10 million years ago, I would have picked this for sure. But um, because, you know, I think a lot of people that like go through my school now had wanted to be vets. And that was just like, whether it was the torture of animals or the science class, it was, it was too scary, too much to do. But so I, I mean, on the one hand, I, I learned trial by fire because I, so First and foremost, I had used an animal communicator and I thought it was the coolest thing on the planet because after I would get done um, communicating, after she would leave, um, I would feel so connected to my horse. And um, so she kind of explained to me how to do it. So I was always practicing and trying and asking friends if I could talk to their animal. And then I had um, a couple of, you know, pretty big circumstances that ended tragically. And so I was really needing answers. And I went to look for that animal communicator's phone number and I couldn't find it. But the next day I found a flyer for a class. And um, so I signed up for the class and then I studied with that woman for about a year. And then I just, I thought I was doing it for fun and to help my own animals. And the next thing you know, people wanted help. And, um, 
yeah, and then it just, it took off. It really took off. In 1998, I think, the LA Times did an article about me, and there, there's been no looking back. It, it's been kind of a, a wild ride since. And then, um, and, I, and I'd been doing it for a long time at that point. I mean, but yeah, that was just like, you're, you're doing this. Um, and so then I started teaching in 98. Um, and then in 2008, I made a school and in my school, it's like, it's all the things I learned and all the things I wished I'd learned. And so I kind of, um, giving everybody a shortcut. I mean, they get a little bit of a bumpy ride when they have to do case studies. So they, they go through some of the challenges I went through, but, um, for the most part, it's, it's exactly everything I wished I'd learned, everything I learned and everything I'd wished I'd learned. And so that's, that is so know, cool. And, it, yeah. and, and it's called um, communication with all life university and, yes. and they do get a certification. So they come out as a certified animal communicator. Yes. Is that now I had, I was telling you before we, before we went on air about the uh, Reiki level one for animals class that I, that I taught recently. And there was a woman in that class that I was doing some guided meditations as part of our classes and things as we went on. And this woman in the class tells me that she can't visualize. She said, mm. I don't see all I see is black. And I don't, I don't, can't see these colors you're describing. I can't, like, if you tell me to close my eyes and imagine I'm walking through a forest on a, you know, sun speckled day, she says, I, I can't see that. I can't see that. And so I really had to work with her to try to focus on feelings. Um, but for someone like that, that really can't see, is there... Is there hope? I mean, obviously, it's going to be harder for them to to do animal communication, right? Yeah, you know, I love that. I had someone who went through my school, and she would sit there and say, "All I see is black." And she was really almost kind of she wore goth clothing, and so I was like, "Yeah, I'm not surprised." And so anyway, um, she uh, was um, at the end. So you know, a year and a half later, when she's graduating. I heard her over talking to someone saying, I see your dog running through the field and doing this and doing this. And I didn't, I had to wait until she was done. I was like, um, I heard that word see. And she goes, what are you saying? And I said, well, you saw the dog running through the field. And she goes, oh my God, I did. And it's sort of like when we think we see black for a long time, all we see is black. But eventually I do a bunch of exercises with people that, that think that eventually they're going to recognize through the feelings. So your instinct was amazing through the feelings and through the concepts or what we would call words that they actually see pictures. Like I was actually one of those people that didn't think I could see pictures. And then uh, I, I remember seeing a horse crumpling out of the starting gate. And I told the person that's why the horse doesn't want to jump. He had an old accident. His right hind is still very stiff. I go through this whole thing. And all of a sudden I was like, I recognized myself. I just said those words. I saw him crumple out of the starting gate. And um, then there was no turning back. Once you see pictures, you, you'll never not see pictures. But there are some of us that 
really fall into that category. So it, it is playing with the feeling, playing with the concepts. And then sometimes I'll just say a bunch of words to get them to be like, oh, yeah, I see a hot cup of coffee. I see the Starbucks label. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you just play with common themes that everybody knows. Oh, that's good. I'm going to definitely point her in your direction because she's a, uh-huh. a, a a starting out behavior consultant, cat behavior consultant, and, um, and you know, wanted to take the Reiki to work in the shelter so that we could do some some healing and stress reduction for, for the cats in the shelter as well. So I'm going to definitely point her to your, your direction. I think that would help her develop that even further. Yeah, I would love that. Now, do cats communicate differently than other species? Um, no, they they very much communicate um, the same way. And it's funny because I was just thinking, I was just going through some pictures. And I, I, I've done, I, I'm never allowed to say where because I always sign these agreements. But I've done, you know, work in zoos. And I worked with a tiger that was so, you would have thought he was your house cat. You know what I mean? Like, you would have thought he was actually that kind of mama's boy. He was so, um, so sweet. I mean, but he was a tiger, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't be getting in and rolling around with him. Uh, but, you know, it's so even big cats, you know, in, in, in zoo settings can um, be as effusive as, you know, a dog. I mean, it, it just depends on the, on the personality, on the, individual but you know they very much communicate the same way and a lot of times they're so happy to communicate because we throw up this whole like oh there's such a mystery and they're really like no my you know I can't get in the litter box because my hips hurt or um you know I just really want to be outside like uh, you know my cats are so loud telepathically I built I built a catio Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I think they all want that. No question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No question. Do you do work with people as well? Do you, do you do? When I first got started, I definitely did. You know, I was definitely um, very much doing that. Um, but I didn't. Um, it's just not as, I mean, I have friends that are so great at the people thing that they should do that. Right. And I'll just be over here doing my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I've kind of always felt that way too. I'm much more empathetic to animals and maybe it's because they can't help themselves, you know, like, like people do. I think yeah, close behind empathy is, is sympathy and it, I find it sometimes hard for me to have a lot of sympathy for someone who's wallowing, you know, and not, well, and not the, helping themselves. It's funny. We have a thing in our school where the the sympathy energy also doesn't help anybody, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't help. Whereas empathy is saying, oh, I see you. But the minute you have sympathy for someone, you're above them. And it may be that somebody who's wallowing in something kind of needs that kind of attention, but usually not long term. And I think, you know, those of us that are really aware of being empathetic, you know, it's like there's way too much in the world to be empathetic about. I don't have time to to sit and feel sorry for you. You've got to get up and do, you know, meet me halfway here. 
Yeah. And, and I think in so many ways, and, and especially in the work that, that we do in, in animal rescue and in shelters and things, you know, there's the, the true victims are these pets that are, you know, kept in a lot of cases against their will and in, in conditions that they don't like, you know, not the quality of, of them thriving. And then of course, in a, in a shelter setting, it's just, it's downright horrific what cats in particular have to go through. So it, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. It's, they are, they are the real victims of they, humanity. And then, and then I like to see them, I like to say, so in my school, if you say poor baby, I, I charge 20 bucks and then we give them <laughs> to our, our favorite charity or whatever, favorite animal organization. Um, but the reason I do that is if we, if, if we stop looking at animals as, oh, that victim and see them as able, then they usually move out of the shelter a lot faster. Um, because like, look at when I think about somebody who's, oh, I have to move. So I'm going to let go of my 11 year old cat. Now I, I, you know, I'm seeing red, it's not pretty. And I, and I can automatically feel sorry for my, for that cat. But then I, I just have to put myself in that mindset of, yeah, that cat is going to grieve. It's going to be a huge loss. And if we allow all of those feelings to be there, then that cat can move through that and be open to their next home. And I think um, when we feel sorry for someone, we're sort of trapping them in, in those feelings, those original grief feelings, which they deserve and, and belong there. But, but grief is, you know, it's, it's flowing. So we want to move that, allow them to grieve, and then allow them to open their heart to their next person, even at 11. And that's such an important point because it's part of why so many people don't volunteer. They say it's too sad. I can't I can't deal with it. It's too sad. You know, and I think the people that are that are called to to work with animals at that level to volunteer in, in animal organizations are the more sensitive, empathetic people. And um and they have a hard time moving beyond that sadness. And so I think I think the way you position that is so, so important and could really help a lot of people maybe get beyond that and realize that, yeah, our, our goal there is to help hold those positive mind pictures for the cat of them being in their new home, sitting yeah. in the sun in front of the window and enjoying a nice, calm, relaxed, safe life and, and focusing on that rather than where they've come and where they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And, and I love what you're saying too, about the people that, I mean, people tell me all the time, like, Oh, I can't go in the shelter and do this work. And it's like, you know what, when, and it's like what you said, when, when people are called, I always say that your mission becomes bigger than your feelings, right? Like my feelings about this cat, my feelings about all those cats are just my feelings. But if I really want to help, I've got to deal with my feelings and walk through the front door and go in and help. And so it really becomes important to put your mission in front of your feelings um, when, in order to go in and make a big difference in these animals. Yeah. So, so much so. And, you know, cats are, 
particularly sensitive. I think in 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 some ways, even you know, dogs, like you said, dogs do want to please us because they have that they've evolved with that social hierarchy. So right. they, you know, that that pack mentality makes it where they want to please. That's part of their thing. Whereas cats just don't have any of that in their in their history. No. But they are so sensitive. I, I think more sensitive than than dogs. And and they do tune in to what their their owners are feeling and and i know i know when i when i have you know consults with people that um might be in a particularly neurotic place for whatever reason at that at that moment you can see that that's reflecting on the cat and talk about that a little bit how how owners emotions and where they are um how that affects cats. Well, I mean, I think it, it really, it affects everyone. I, but I love, I mean, it, it can even affect the other people in the house, right? It can affect everyone. But one, one thing that I love to share, and that is this little story from my second book, Energy Healing for Animals. And it's a, a story sort of a, that, um, people use in the somatic healing world. And that is, um, so let's say there's a little duck on a pond and that duck is swimming along and just waddling along. And all of a sudden it sees in the distance, there's two little eyes, beady eyes focused on the duck. And it turns out it's a fox. And that duck knows that fox sees that duck as dinner. The duck freezes. And so it goes into fight or flight and freeze, freeze, flight, or flight, flight, or fight. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so the first step is freeze. And then it musters up its energy and it flies out of there and goes over to the neighboring pond and sees its friend and lands. Now, in that time that it's flying, it's real. It, so the adrenaline came in and lifted that duck off the pond, right? And then that, that adrenaline had the opportunity to leave with every wing span, every moment that the bird, the duck was flying. So the, the duck releases the adrenaline, the fear, all of those feelings. So what happens in our home is um, unless we've got a great animal communicator or an exercise program, uh, animals are, are kind of stuck taking in that fight, flight, or freeze all the time of their own life. And then the person that they live with is impacting them greatly and they don't have an expression for those, for that, a way for that to leave their body. And so then they release into being on the bed, gaining weight, um, you know, whereas dogs, we tend to take them out for walks. So even though they don't get maybe as much expression or a way to release all of these trapped feelings from the household they have more of a way of releasing it than cats do yeah Hen hence the importance of catios <laughs> and scratching posts oh and yes cat toys and getting cats chasing through the house and any any of it you know any and all of it like they need their version of expression i think people just don't think about that with cats yeah they don't and and you know it's it, it 
it sadly it's everything is driven by consumer dollars there are so far fewer consumer dollars spent on cats than dogs which means there's a lot less research so people just don't know what cats actually need i mean and that's why i of course started cat behavior solutions as a nonprofit because as as i learned it i said people need to know the stuff you know how do we we don't even know what to provide as enrichment we have no idea what they do in the wild we don't spend any time thinking about that or studying that and so people are really just not prepared to provide an environment where cats thrive and that's just on the physical level not not to mention on an emotional level what what would someone who is thinking that their own anxiety might be spilling over on their cat what what would you recommend that they do about that is there anything they can do um yeah there's a lot of things um one one little thing that i always say is just imagine yourself in a bubble and that you're containing your own energy and that you're not you know, sending high voltage out to the people and animals in your household. That's one. Um, another is EFT. I just wrote a book on EFT for animals, but we have lots of places in there for where you understand how to tap EFT emotional freedom technique tapping. So you could tap on, on the human. I wrote the book for animals, but um, it's actually a human technique. Um, and so in the book, I've got lots of things for the human and the animal. And then I think, you know, I mean, getting outside, that just does wonders, doesn't it? It does for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And and barefoot, where you're grounded. I'm always barefoot. Mm-hmm. I don't even sun right now. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> Yeah, being grounded to the earth. You know, we go we go so long when our feet never touch the earth. And how unnatural is that? That's and crazy. So important to just go barefoot, go outside, stand in the dirt, put your face up to the sun and breathe in air. And and that's that's so healing. And the book you were talking about, it's called The Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans creating a harmonious relationship through tapping and that's out in june right yes yeah and it's, and it's available for pre-order on amazon and barnes and noble and all of the places so yeah that's great and is that something that technique is that something that you all are also teaching at the communication with all life university i am teaching it yeah i teach it a couple times a year and um i to have digital classes um, and um, all sorts of ways that people can I have uh, videos on YouTube. So there's lots of free ways that people can learn how to do it. That's great. That, that's that's great. There's also another fun thing on your site. You have a an animal empath quiz on your site, which I thought was quite interesting. <laughs> and yeah. Did you take it? I did. I did. What did you come out? I, I was the energy healer. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I took it and I thought that was it was very, very interesting. Not what I expected at all at all. So and uh, and your website is is your name Joan Rinquet. Did I say that right? By the way, Rinquet? yes, that's perfect. Um, yeah. dot com. So J O A N 
R-A-N-Q-U-E-T.com. You should definitely go check out her website. It's got the um, all the information about the university and classes that you teach and and things like that. Another thing I want to talk about is your your TED talk, the Rainbow Bridge: Animals in in Transition. I assume that I haven't I haven't watched it yet. I I wanted to try to watch it and I will watch it. But is is that about animals that are passing? Is that what that talk is about? Yeah. And just how important it is for us to stay present no matter what stage it's in. I tell the story of um, how I had I had lost both of my parents and I'd lost a lot of animals and I was afraid. I, I was like, oh, I'm through all my grief. And all of a sudden I was like, no, I have 10 animals. Somebody's going to go, right? They're not going to be here forever. And it was just the process of like recognizing how important every moment is and then being really careful, um, you know, and to be present and aware and able to be with our animals in, in that, in the final stages. And do you, it made me wonder, um, because I'm assuming you, you communicate with animals when they're in those final stages, what is their understanding of, of death? Do they have an understanding of it or are they so in the moment it's just about the pain or the discomfort that they're feeling from whatever they're they're succumbing to? I mean, I think just like people, there are advanced souls and then there's some that are, you know, like, hey, this is my first time around. Um, and uh, they and they are very, those, those, um, those animals are very in the moment. I mean, you know, it runs the gamut just like with humans. So if you have your more advanced soul, they're going to be aware that, you know, I'm coming back. Um, and then the next round of animals might be, you know, I'm not, I, this hurts or, you know, as they dwindle down, they just become aware of, of each moment in that stage. And, and that's something that I call precious bill that like, no matter how advanced an animal is in their awareness or not, it's really being in all of making all of those moments, super precious as because those stages are very beautiful, even if painful. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it does. I absolutely think it does. And and I and I thought it was funny too that you mentioned I hadn't thought about animals being old souls versus young souls like people and and I am a person that can absolutely tell the difference in people and mm-hmm. uh, and my previous cat was a very old soul and my cat that I have now is a very young playful you know oh this is the first or second time around and yeah. this is all fun I'm and yeah, yeah he's just totally different in you know in in his and a lot of that is the way he was brought up and stuff like that too but he's just you know no no fear and um you know not not uh not with that depth of wisdom that my previous cat had what's the strangest yeah. thing a cat has ever told you uh, I had a cat tell me that um, there were visitors with this woman um, that, so this woman didn't know what was happening with her mother who had dementia upstairs. And she said the visitors were here every night 
And uh, what I didn't know was that the mother would come down and say, oh, the aliens came again. And so somebody was visiting this mother and the cat knew about it. And it, I mean, I don't, I don't know if aliens visit people with dementia regularly, but um, that, <laughs> that's a thing. But I didn't, that's, I only found that out because of the cat. So. Yeah, I know. Of- but that would make sense if she's, if she's convinced, then that's what she's seeing. And the cat yeah. picks up on it and, and the animals don't have any concept of lying or mistruths. They just see what they see. So if she's actually visually seeing that there are visitors, whether there were or not, the, the cat yeah. would, would would pick up on it and assume that that was true. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was, and then, I mean, this is really way before Google was a big thing. So it was hard to find information, but I found out that the, a lot of people with dementia apparently believe that the aliens are there. So interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So that oh. became the strangest thing a cat ever told me. <laughs> that's cute. That's a good one. <laughs> Anything else about cats as a species that, that you think our audience should know? I mean, I think that the most important thing is, is to really just, uh, you know, I mean, I think, I'm speaking to the choir here with your audience, just how important it is to create a really great life for them with enrichment and fun. And I like to have periods during the day where it's like they have quiet time away from the dogs and then they, we have family time. Right. So it's like just being aware of, of kind of their patterns, you know, cats, like you said a moment ago that, um, there isn't a lot of research on cats. I mean, we watch lion prides, but, you know, mountain lions, cheetahs, tiger, well, cheetahs are pretty out there, but tigers and leopards and mountain lions, um, even jaguars are pretty uh, elusive. And so we get a lot of our um, thoughts that they're elusive because they're hard, but, you know, in in the original days, as, as dogs were domesticating themselves with us, um, cats kind of were too, because they could clean out the barn for us. So, um, you know, they also chose to be with us. So we, you know, we can not make them so mysterious and let them be our, our true companions. Yeah. They just, you know, I think the reason they're so mysterious is just because they're not, they're not as... They don't wear their emotions on their shirt no, sleeves, right? right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, dogs learn to actually mimic our facial expressions so that they can communicate and please us better, whereas cats don't. It's, you know, when we get that cat that's grumpy cat face and, and those faces that appear to mimic human emotions, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, look at that, because it's so odd. You know, they don't, uh, their body language is is very subtle. It's not as vocal. And so it is, you know, unless someone takes some time to to really look at their cat and, and spend time understanding what they're feeling and what they're seeing, it, it can be really hard to figure out what's going on with them. Yeah. Of course, of course, cats are really good at annoying behaviors and getting your attention and showing you what they want, but <laughs> they yeah. don't always tell us what they feel. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. That's great. Now, do you have a course where someone could take just one course and come away and feel like they are communicating better with their with their cat or do they should they really you really commit to multiple courses? I have everything from a beginner course to um certification. And so any stage of the game you know, a lot of people just want to learn it for their own animals. Some people want to learn animal communication and energy healing to help, you know, the animals in their immediate community. Some people are already like vets or massage therapists or like, like you, a behaviorist or um, a dog walker, a groomer, you know, they want to add it on to what they already know. We take all types. All types are welcome. That's great. That's great. And you have a lot of courses. I liked that too, and a lot going on. So be sure to go check that out. Again, it's joanranquette.com, J-O-A-N-R-A-N-Q-U-E-T.com. You could also just Google Communication with All Life University, and that comes up. And make sure to to put a note about getting her book or pre-buy it, better yet, on Amazon. Um, the Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Like I said, I love what you're doing. So it's it's great to know that you're out there in the world helping. Thank you. Yep. Somebody's got to help the kitties. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio today. And until next time, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.